This is Live Well Talk on Uterine Fibroids. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at Union Point Health St. Luke's Hospital. May is uh, American Cheddar Cheese Month, but also it's Women's Health Month. And continuing with our awareness of women's health, uh, returning the podcast today is Dr. Mike Hummel to discuss uh, uh, uterine fibroids. Welcome back, Mike. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, as an internist, my uh, I understand where babies come from, but that's about the extent of my obstetrical knowledge, and I have no gynecological knowledge base. So, but even with that, I don't think I'd think of an interventional radiologist when it comes to uterine fibroids. Correct. Correct. So I'm never surprised at the stuff you guys do, but that's that wouldn't have made the, the list. Tell me about that. Sure, sure. Well, this is a, a common procedure that we perform that we've been doing for over 20 years. And probably in the late 80s, late 90s, um, interventional radiologists would be asked to um, do embolization of the uterine arteries in patients who were bleeding. And um, then they notice that when they do that, the fibroids shrink. And so um, over time, um, lots of studies, it eventually became um, a common minimally invasive alternative for women who have fibroids to undergo uterine fibroid embolization. And it's been in clinical practice um, for well over 20 years, since the late 90s. Wow, totally new to me. Yep. Uh, you know, I know you guys will, can do uh, embolization or prevent a, a blood vessel from yep. bleeding, um, but did not know you could do this. So are there fibroids? Well, maybe we first should cover what is a uterine fibroid. Sure, um, sure. Sure, they're the most common benign tumor in the OB-GYN world. Um, they are smooth muscle tumors that have um, fibrin and collagen in them. Um, they grow in the muscular wall of the uterus. Um, they can either be within the wall, they can be extending from the wall into the uterine cavity, or they can be kind of extending from the wall outside of the uterus. So they can be in lots of different locations, but they come from the muscular wall of the uterus. And so rather than having surgery, because that would be the, uh, the, the other treatment that could happen, correct? Correct. Then you can go undergo this procedure. Is there a limit to too small or too big where you can't help? Or? Um, not so much in size. Um, people have treated um, fibroids well over 20 centimeters with uterine fibroid embolization. Sometimes location will um, indicate, us, indicate to us that it's better to do a myomectomy. So a couple surgery. of different surgery. Yep. Yep. And, and so the definitive treatment that's totally going to cure the problem is hysterectomy, you know, but then the woman has lost her uterus and that um, includes surgical risks that go along with that procedure. Um, a less invasive surgical therapy is to undergo a myomectomy. And so the, the gynecologist will go in and they'll simply remove the fibroid without removing the whole uterus. And sometimes these fibroids can actually be on, on sort of a stalk. We call them pedunculated. And, and when you take the blood supply away from those, they could essentially kind of fall off their stalk. And, and so for those, it's usually better to perform a myomectomy. And you can see that on imaging ahead of time? Yep, yep. We do lots of pre-procedure evaluation. And one of the most important things we do is, a, is an MRI of the pelvis. And that gives us a very good anatomy of the uterus and the the um, the fibroids exactly where they're located. Well, I'm going to ask a little talk shop here, and I apologize, sure. listeners. Do you get that MRI with contrast? 
Yes, okay. we do. Yep. Just so I know if They're, I have to order yeah, one. Yeah, fibroids are very vascular um, tumors. Okay, well, that and makes so, sense. And that's what is one of the contributing factors to one of their main symptoms, the way they, um, they cause um, increased or dysfunctional uterine bleeding. So you, you embolize the artery, the fibroid shrinks. What happens next? Um, the symptoms generally go away. In 80, 90% of patients, um, that's all it takes. Usually you're going to get between 30 and 70% um, decrease in volume. But not just a decrease in volume. The, the fibroid tumors are firm, hard tumors. And once they're embolized, even if they haven't shrunk or gone away completely, now they're soft and spongy. And so, so we categorize the symptoms that women have from fibroids into two categories. We say that there are bleeding symptoms or there are bulk-related symptoms. And with bleeding, women will have either just unusually heavy periods, you know, way more than they used to before they had fibroids, or they'll have breakthrough bleeding between periods. And a lot of patients can get to the point where they're even anemic from this. Yeah, yeah. I've had patients that yep. that's where it's from. Yep. The bulk-related symptoms are just abdominal distension, pelvic pain, urinary frequency, can have pain with intercourse, pain with going to the bathroom. Um, those are what we call the bulk-related symptoms. Just because it's simply taking up space, disrupting the architecture around it. Exactly. And, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Exactly. Is it, do, do fibroids, I should probably ask this question first, do fibroids have a malignancy potential? Um, it's not thought that they do. Okay. You know, um, one of the um, cancers that you can have in the uterus is a, um, a um, uterine sarcoma. And sometimes they can look a little bit like a fibroid. And so that's why it's important for us to, that's one of the reasons it's important for us to get that MRI. Those have a little bit different features, but they can look kind of like a fibroid. And that's, we possibly could do a whole podcast on morselation and how that spread it yep. within the abdomen because the doc yep. just thought as uterine fiber because sarcomas of the uterus are rare. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yep. We probably should do one. That's a story is a couple of years old, but it's still interesting. Well, speaking of fibroids and potential to do surgery, and we talked about the sarcomas being rare, I should have covered earlier, what, what are the risk factors for getting uterine fiber? Sure, sure. Um, there's definitely um, uh, a hereditary component. If your mother or other women in your family had them, women are going to be more at risk for them. Um, there is a, an increased risk um, in African-American women more than white women, um, obesity, hypertension, vitamin D deficiency, and what we call um, null parity. You know, if, if someone has never had um, a baby, um, they're increased risk for fibroids. And that's really the only kind of protective thing that I could really kind of come across um, is what will decrease your risk. And that's women who have had multiple pregnancies. They're the, really the only group at a decrease increased risk for developing fibroids. They're very common. More than 70%, probably 75, 80% of women are going to develop them by the time they're 50. And a lot of times you have no symptoms. And but I think they're, they're very common. Less risk of breast cancer, I think, with women that have multiple births because of the yes. progesterone break in there yep. um, as opposed to continuously getting estrogen, I think. I don't know. Again, like I said, I fully disclose my gyne knowledge. <laughs> Obstetrical knowledge is very limited. That's um, understandable. And I'm fine with that. <laughs> yep. You know? Yep. Um, all right. Well, Mike, this is great information. Uh, thank you once again. Sure. Uh, brief Certainly. podcast today, but very informative. 
Uh, again, this is Dr. Mike Hummel, a friend and colleague of the show, the interventional radiologist with Radiology Consultants of Iowa and St. Luke's Hospital. For more information, visit uniPoint.org. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well. <laughs>